0: fusionchurch.cc slash soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Let's pray and let's press in. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That we get to be here. We get to press into your word, into your presence. And Jesus, I know whenever we hunger and thirst for righteousness, there you are to satisfy. So today we are just praying the prayer of David, where we are a deer panteth for water. So our souls long after you. So Lord, we just pray, satisfy the desire of our heart this morning to commune with you, to be with you, to receive from you, to have revelation from you, God. So Lord, I just pray, illuminate your word today. Holy Spirit, let me get out of the way. Do as you did with Isaiah, rub a hot coal across my lips so I may not speak in sin against you. But, God, that there would be just such clarity with your word today so that we could just be, as Paul wrote, we could be living in the spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, God, I thank you for what you're going to do in our time. We praise as and ask us in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. So, again. Questions, comments, anything that stands out to you, uh, be sure to drop that in the chat on the side. I am just putting in our passage right now for all those who hop on just a little bit later. It's all good. We don't mind if you hop on late, just the fact you're hopping on in general. So come on. First Chronicles 17, starting off in verse one. Let's do this. It says, when David had settled into his palace, he said to the prophet Nathan, look. I am living in a cedar house while the ark of the Lord's covenant is under tent curtains. So Nathan told David, do all that is on your mind, for God is with you. But that night, the word of God came to Nathan. Go to David, my servant, and say, this is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. From the time I brought Israel out of Egypt until now, I have not dwelt in a house. Instead, I moved from one tent site to another. And from one tabernacle location to another. In all my journeys throughout Israel, have I ever spoken a word to even one of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, asking, why haven't you built me a house of cedar? Now, this is what you are to say to the servant, my servant, David. This is what the Lord of Armies says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock to be a ruler over my people, Israel. I've been with you wherever you have gone. I have destroyed all your enemies before you. I will make a name for you like that of the greatest on the earth. I will designate a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and not be disturbed again. Evil doers will not continue to oppress them as they have done. Ever since the day I order judges to be over my people Israel, I will also subdue all your enemies. Furthermore, I declare to you that the Lord himself will build a house for you. When your time comes to be with your fathers, I will raise up after you, your descendant, who is one of your own sons. I will establish the kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will not remove my faithful love from him as I removed it from the one who was before you. I will appoint him over my house and my kingdom forever, and his throne will be established forever. Nathan reported all these words of this entire vision to David. Then King David went in, sat in the Lord's presence and said, Who am I, Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? This was a little thing to you, God, for you have spoken about your servant's house in the distant future. You regard me as a man of distinction, Lord God. What more can David say to you for honoring your servant? You know your servant, Lord. Have uh, Lord, you have done this whole great thing, making known all the great promises for your sake. Of your servant and according to your will. Lord, there is no one like you, and there is no God beside you, as all we have heard confirms. And who is like your people, Israel? God, you came to one nation on earth to redeem a people for yourself, to make a name for yourself through the great and awesome works by driving out nations before your people you redeemed from Egypt. You made your people Israel, your own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Now, Lord, let the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and his house be confirmed forever, and do as you have promised. Let your name be confirmed and magnified forever in the saying, the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, is God over Israel. May the house of your servant David be established before you, since you, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build him a house your servant has found courage indeed uh sorry to pray in your presence lord you indeed are god and you promised this good thing to your servant so now you have been pleased to bless your servant's house that it may continue before you forever for you lord have blessed it and it is blessed forever mm. so this may sound uh just let's say a little bit familiar like I shared, if you're just hopping on with us, I saw some of us hopping on. Uh, this is First Chronicles 17. So this is a mirror from a chapter of Second uh, Samuel. But there's so much gold that gets shared uh, as we kind of like cross-reference it from book to book. So we're just going to go through different pieces inside of this chapter. And I'm just going to break some of it down and then just give us, as we observe the text and our soaping, you give us a little bit of application from the text too. So it kicks off. Chapter 17. Verse one, when David had settled into his palace, uh, when I first read that, I just thought, man, I I really want to settle into my palace sometime soon. Anybody else? Um, I don't know about you. This New Jersey housing market uh, makes it a little hard to settle into palaces right now. But I thought if we all band together, (laughs) maybe we could purchase just one palace. But here's David settling into his palace. And he said to the prophet Nathan, look. I'm living in a cedar house while the Ark of the Lord's Covenant is under curtains. You see, David right here is expressing his heart off the rip. From verse 1, we see David has a desire to build. You see, he's living inside of this palace. It's very well put together. Uh, Many believe that this cedar house was actually a cedar wood plated house. So that the cedar wood was really on the outside, just making sure uh, it resembles that of the house of a king. And here we see David saying, I'm living in this incredible palace, this incredible mansion, but I'm also feeling guilty sitting inside of here and seeing the Ark of the Covenant, which resembles God's presence being underneath of drapes, right? We see all throughout the Old Testament up until this point, uh, especially after Egypt, right? Uh, So after Egypt, the Ark of the Covenant, everything gets made and it resembles God's presence being with his people, And from here, uh, or excuse me, from that point up until now, this Ark of the Covenant had been moved around everywhere. So as the people of Israel travel through the desert, they get into the promised land, and even around the promised land, it gets moved all over the place. This Ark of the Covenant is living under a tabernacle of drapes. And David is sitting here thinking, how can I live in this very, very fine palace and see the presence of my God sitting inside of drapes? And I love this, uh, let's say, reflection of David's heart, because what he's saying is, how can my house look so nice and my house being order, but the house of God be out of order? And I think it's such a good application for us as the people of God, as the church, because sometimes, and I've been guilty of this too, uh, where I can kind of walk around and sometimes I'll be in the house or in the church and I'm just kind of walking past things, not even thinking about them. Because is there anyone else here that also gets on autopilot just walking through their day? Uh, I'm a heavy autopilot person. I automate as much as I can. Uh, I usually predecide half of my decisions. So if you come to me for an answer and I answer quick, it's because I've already thought about this situation and I made up my mind. <laughs> right? So I'm an autopilot person. So what will happen is if I'm not intentional in what I'm doing, I just kind of walk in. Sunday mornings, if it were up to me, I would just walk into service and I wouldn't even see a single thing. I wouldn't see the uh, uh, the mint wrappers sitting on the floor because usually there's a sea of them all over the place. What? Well, not in our church. Uh, uh, I wouldn't see the empty sugar packets that somehow find their way uh, all over a beautiful cafe area, right? Come on, somebody. Uh, I wouldn't see the pen caps in the back of the worship center. And uh, Lord help us when it's communion Sunday. And there's communion cups, empty communion cups all over the place. And every time I see them, I always think, didn't we come by with little itty bitty trash cans? And, <laughs> right. Uh, but I love David's heart here because I think David's heart here could be a conviction for some of us sometimes. And I don't know if it's all of us, but I think it's some of us. Right. Be- <clears throat> because our houses can look beautiful. Ornate. But if the house of the Lord, right, the church, as we say a value effusion, right, heart for the house isn't matched to our heart for our own house, I would say sometimes we have to question, hey, what's my motive, right? Because David's motive here was I don't want to live in a place that is beautiful and my God's presence live in a place that is not. Now, let me even shift a different gear because maybe for a lot of us today, because I know so many of us right here at Fusion Church, we are like heart for the house, We are, I don't really think I've seen many people walk past trash on the floor without picking it up, which by the way, you're my people. Um, I very much so appreciate you. Uh, if you could see me on my Thursday afternoons, I'm usually doing rounds through the building and outside picking weeds out of the parking lot. If I find them because we want to make sure that the house looks good, but I want to kind of like switch gears because I know so many of us are very passionate about the house of fusion. Uh, what about the house of the Holy spirit, which is your heart, right? Because many times, right, as David is reflecting here, I live in this great house. I have these great possessions and I have all these right wonderful things. You may have all the toys in the world. Your golf cart might have spinning rims on it, right? We could have the nicest stuff. But David right here is also pointing out, hey, the house of God, which is currently you, church, you are currently the house of God for the Holy Spirit. What's that house look like? Because we don't want to uh, have the outside looking good, but the inside feeling dead, right? Jesus even confronted in the New Testament, I was just reading in Matthew the other day, where he looks at the Pharisees, and these Pharisees were the religious people of the day, right? They were the pastors, for lack of a better word. These people were strong, strong followers of the Lord, right? Jehovah. And as Jesus was confronting them, he said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. Ooh, and if you don't know what a whitewashed tomb is a whitewashed tomb was a grave that would be painted white continually and it was a promise that children would have to make to their parents and grandparents before they passed and the whole idea was their bones where their body would go to lay would never be put to shame by looking in disarray right so they would go there and they continue paint it white paint it white paint it white to make it look nice but it looked really nice on the outside but who knows Just because a tomb looks nice on the outside does not change that there are bones and death on the inside. And Jesus looks at these people and he says, hey, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside. You're living in the mansion. But what's the inside look like? Because it kind of seems to me like it's a whitewashed tomb, right? David right here is confronting the same thing about our very hearts. Because what he's saying is you could look great. Your physical appearance, your home, have all the nice stuff. But here's the thing. We want to store up treasure in a place where it does not have moth, dust, and decay, right? And that's inside of heaven. And that comes from our very heart. So let's circle back to the passage. David has his desire to build the temple or a house for the Lord. So David, what his next step was, I think was really good because he learned from Saul. It says, Nathan, who was in David's presence, told uh, uh, Nathan told David, Do all that is on your mind, for God is with you. You see, David sought Nathan's counsel. Let me talk to the prophet. If you guys remember, the king before David was Saul, King Saul. King Saul, before he died, consulted a medium. And this whole idea was he was going to uh, consult ghosts to go ahead and direct the kingdom. Uh, Church, I want to tell you, uh, if we put our faith inside of something else, aside from God, we will get results outside of God, right? Right. So David right here already has a leg up in trying to uh, advance the kingdom that God has given him. So he said, let me go to the person who is hearing from God, the current prophet, Nathan. Nathan told David exactly what he thought. The heart behind what you want to do sounds pure, so do what's on your mind. And here's the most important thing, God is with you. You see, Nathan recognized the most important piece of the puzzle to any decision, any step inside of life. Anything we're looking to do is to have God with us, right? It says in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your paths straight. You see, this verse talks about God being with us. And it says it right here where it goes, in all your ways, know him, right? In the Hebrew, know him means yada. Yada means to dwell on, think about, and include in, right? I'm giving you a little bit of Hebrew lesson today. so what he's Nathan is telling David is David obviously in everything you're doing you are including God you're thinking about him you're dwelling on his promises and his law and since you're doing all of these things because here he is consulting the prophet not a medium right as you're doing all these things do what's inside of your heart because obviously the Lord is there with it and David said okay let's do this thing but who how many of us know just because we have a desire to do something for God, doesn't mean that timing is right on what we want to do. So here's David with a good heart looking to accomplish something, but his timing was off because verse three, that night, the word of the Lord came to David, go to my servant and say, this is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. Ooh, and that must've been hard to hear. From the time I brought Israel out of Egypt until today, I have not dwelt inside of a house. Instead, I moved from one tent site to another and from one tabernacle location to another. In all my journeys throughout Israel, I've ever spoken a word to even one of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, asking, why haven't you built me a house of cedar? You know, as I was reading this, I felt so personally convicted because uh, I don't know about any of us here. Maybe you might relate to me this morning, uh, but many times I want to start things up to pioneer and win people to Jesus. Like I usually I'm like walking around just thinking, how can we win people to Jesus? How can we go ahead and bless people, get into our region, get into our community? And here's David kind of doing something similar. You see, he wanted to do something great for God, but God kind of makes it pretty clear from verse five, where he says, we came out of uh, Egypt. I never dwelt in a house, and I never asked anyone to make me one. And he was kind of blunt. And he's like, David, I love your heart, love your desire. There's nothing wrong with it, but I never asked you to do it. Thank you for having a great heart, but I did not command you to do this. And I started thinking, are we ever doing something for God that he never asked us to do? And sometimes we get ourselves caught in a trap in a cycle. And here's the thing, Nathan, the prophet, even co-signed on what David wanted to accomplish and goes back and corrects himself. Right. And has that conversation with David. But as I was reading this passage, I was reminded of a story. Um, uh, that's, this was two, two years ago now. So at this point, Shannon and I had been together eight years. We've been together 10 in total at this point, it's eight years and Easter rolled around. Uh, I'm sharing this because she openly shares this story too. So, uh, uh, we have Easter, my parents come down and she decides, okay, we're going to, uh, do Easter, you know, uh, what it what was at lunch, you know, with the ham, all the good stuff, all this great food. Once church was done, we were going to have an incredible time. And I said, okay, love sounds great to me. So we get done church. We go back to the house again. We are together eight years at this point. So I've tasted a lot of Shannon's cooking up until this point. So I'm kind of like, all right, you know, buckle up. It's all good. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> and the husband said, amen. But so uh, we sit down at lunch and she cooked this beautiful ham. She had this crazy spread in front of us and myself, uh, you know, my mom, my dad, uh, somebody else, all of us were sitting inside the living room, offering to help, offering to help, offering to help. But she kept on saying, no, 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 I got it. No, sit down, enjoy yourselves. And this went on for a few hours. And we said, okay, if that's what you'd like to do, we, you know, we'll just sit out here, but like, we're here to help going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. After a couple hours, maybe two, three hours, all the food is out. And we all sit down around the table and something know about just like my family. They're just, they're grateful. Like if you put out a PB and J for them, they're just overjoyed, <laughs> super grateful people. And we sit down around the table. We pray, uh, you know, we're just celebrating the resurrection of Jesus together And uh, I start eating this ham and fusion church. I got to tell you something. This ham to date was the best ham I've ever had in my life. Come on, somebody like we're getting ready to go into Thanksgiving. Here's something about me. I like turkey, but I don't love turkey. Okay, I'll eat a lot of turkey because Thanksgiving's great. But I I, I don't love turkey. I like turkey. Ham. I don't like ham. I love ham. (laughs) <laughs> Easter. I get very excited when it comes time for that Easter. Like, you know, that, that weird period of time, 3 PM between lunch and dinner. No, we just call it Easter lunch, but we, uh, uh, we're eating this ham and oh my gosh, to date, it was still the best ham I ever tasted. And the whole time I'm telling Shannon, I was like, honey, you got to know something like what I've been w- like with you at this point, eight years. And here's the important part. My wife at this point, knew how to make cereal like a beast. <laughs> she knew how to throw down on some chicken nuggets and craft mac and cheese was her home. <laughs> right. So this is what she could cook. I was the cook of the house and it's okay. Like there's no shame here. Like her and I know, like you're good at this. I'm good at this. Let's just play to the strengths. You know, we can try and grow in our areas, but here's the thing. She doesn't let me touch laundry because I shrink t-shirts. Right. So so, like, we know our places, it's okay. Like, there's no shame in our household. And for her, she's like, I can't cook. And I said, Okay, no worries. Love you. And as someone just put inside of the chat, uh, my wife started putting ice cubes inside of her cereal. Uh, short, like, we were already married, she didn't tell me that we were well into marriage, and all of a sudden I threw saw ice cubes being put inside of her cereal to keep the milk cold. Despicable, I know. Go talk to her about it. Um, but righty, so we're at Easter and I'm going up for seconds on this ham and I'm looking at her I said, baby, this is incredible. Uh, Get my seconds, go up for thirds. I'm like, this is fantastic. This is so good. Then I start thinking, like, did she get somebody to make this thing? You know, you I thought in the back of your mind, Uh, I don't know if she did this. Um, But as I'm going up and I'm grabbing my plates, grabbing my plates, grabbing my plates, eating way too much, right? Uh, I'm looking at her and I said, this is so good. But I'm noticing in her eyes, she looks empty. And I'm like uh, on the on the resurrection, right? Like it's Easter, and I and like I'm going up. I'm getting this food. And I'm like really just trying to compliment her, build her up. Like maybe she's feeling insecure. Who knows what's going on? And I just keep on grabbing more, grabbing. And I was like, baby, this this is fantastic. Like best ham, period. Like you understand, you are on ham duty going forward. Like no one else is allowed to do this. And of course, she, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know all like all the good stuff. And I said, baby, what what's wrong? And she said, like, we'll talk later. My parents leave, and I said, You're not cleaning. I will clean. But as I'm cleaning, I want you to sit in the chair right next to me and tell me what's wrong. And she said, I spent the entire time cooking, making all this food that you guys never even asked for, because I would have ordered a pizza, y'all. Ask making all of this food, and I missed the entire point as to why we came together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and to spend time with family. And she said, I think I had a total of 15 minutes of conversation with everybody because I spent so much time doing rather than being, you see, she was doing things for people that they never asked her to do. And maybe it's the people pleaser. But as I was reading this passage about David, David was looking to do things for God that God never asked him to do. And I kind of relate this to a passage out of the new Testament of Mary and Martha in Luke 10, right? So Jesus walks into this house and there are these two people, two sisters, Mary and Martha. And for the siblings in the house, I might trigger you for a second. Uh, so Mary is sitting, literally sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teachings as Jesus bringing them all all this revelation, uh, bringing, bringing them just the message of life and relationship with God. And the entire time while Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet, Martha is running around making G, uh, sandwiches for Jesus that he never asked for. And she is m- making up a storm. It's crazy. And Martha finally goes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, come on. Can you tell my sister to help me? Could like, we could split these tasks in half right now. Like, come on, chop, chop. And, I, hey, that's me, by the way. I'm Martha very often. Let's get it moving. Come on. Like, we got to get some stuff done. Like, let's, let's get this ball rolling. And Jesus looks at Martha, right, looks at the Harrys, maybe, maybe looking at you today, and says, don't miss the most important thing. I didn't make you for doing, I made you for being. I didn't make you for tasks, I made you for relationships. And he kind of convicts her and says, you are missing the most important thing. Don't miss it. And here, even David, right, is kind of missing it. His heart was in the right place. Martha's heart was in the right place, right? As I shared Shannon's story, her heart was in the right place. There's nothing wrong with making that lunch dinner, right, on Easter for your family. But we don't want to miss the most important thing, relationships, and we don't want to miss right doing what God tells us to do because we're not faithful to the commandments that He hasn't given us. We're faithful to the commandments He has given us. So here we see this uh, this whole thing where uh, God visits Nathan, shares that heart. I never asked him to make anything. Just tell David to be faithful to the things I told him to do, and then here God actually starts bringing up to David the past and where God brought him from, verses 7 through about 14. So you see, God looks at David. He says, listen, this is what the Lord says to you. I took you out of the pasture from tending a flock, made you a ruler over my people. And then God goes on to say, I've been with you wherever you have gone, and I've destroyed all of your enemies before you. You see, right here, we kind of see this amazing balance that God has uh Uh, he's revealing to David about who he is, right? And kind of where he's brought him from. So two things I want to hit really quick inside of this, and it's portion and assignment. Because up until this point in this passage, right, David got uh, a desire to build the temple. After he gets the desire to build the temple, he tells Nathan. So after he tells Nathan, Nathan uh, gives him the co-sign, go ahead. The Lord visits Nathan and says this, he is not the one to build it, right? Right. Because David had a certain assignment based on the portion God's given him. So since God first confronts, hey, I didn't command him to do this, but then starts talking about who David is and where David came from, it tells me this has a lot to do with David himself, right? So David had a portion, right? This is your talents, treasure, and time that God has given you, and an assignment, what I do with what God has given me. So for example, your portion, right? Right. As you're we talking about Mary and Martha, some of us are Marys, and we sit at the G- feet of Jesus really well, right? Uh, some of us can come in on a Sunday morning, come in on Wednesday, worship and prayer, like we'll be having that soon. We can sit at the feet of Jesus for hours and not think about an ounce of work that ever has to get done. There, and there's nothing wrong. God made Marys. God also made Marthas who are hyperworking, 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 and almost never sit at the feet of Jesus and don't take that like that precious, precious time. You see, we all have a portion that God gives us. You see, this portion that God gave David was this capability to overcome limits and this capability to go ahead and see what the future was bringing. Because as the New Testament tells us, David, while he was a king, was also a prophet in nature as to who he was and both a priest ministering to God. So Mary and Martha carried their portions sitting at the feet of Jesus and working very well. David carried his portion, right? His portion was that of a great warrior, was that of a great influencer, right? His talents were incredible. His dis, uh, uh, He was able to discern as a king so very well. But his assignment, what God was telling him to do, was not to build a temple. It was to clear out and conquer the land that the people of Israel did not clear out. So here's where we see the difference in assignment and uh, the birth of the Davidic covenant. So in verse 10, ever since I ordered the judges to be over my people, Israel, I will also subdue all of your enemies. Furthermore, I declare to you that the Lord himself will build a house for you. When the time comes to be with your fathers, I'll raise up after you, your descendant, which is one of your very own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. You see, this Davidic covenant talks about there will be a temple built one day. And what an incredible promise that God made David. Because David, again, has this desire to build. God lets him know it is not your job to build this. It's going to be someone else's. And we know that David's son, Solomon, eventually ends up building the temple one day. And this was God's promise that, hey, your work and what you're doing, the legacy, the generational work is going to go way beyond you. And I think it's really important to recognize inside of our relationship with God and our portion that God gives us and our assignments and trying to be inside of the presence of Jesus and not just doing all the time, not looking to be a people pleaser, but looking to be a God pleaser, right? In all of this, we are inside of a generational work. You see, Fusion Church, this might be hard to hear, but it's a truth this morning. All of us are but a blip on the timeline of God. We're just a moment and a very small one, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean we're insignificant. It just means there's a lot more happening than just us. And sometimes in our selfish nature, that's really hard to hear because we'll sit there and say, no, not me. I'm important, right? Well, I'm very important. There's no way I'm just a blip. We're all just little blips and it's okay. But all of our little blips play a huge role in the overall picture of God. Here, David's telling, or excuse me, God's telling David, David, you set up the stage. You built the platform. You did everything you could have done so that the next generation, your son, can come in and build me a house, the temple. You see, we may not have the calling to build the next, but we're faithful to what God has given us now. Understanding our portion is important. Understanding our assignment is important. And I want to kind of close on assignment and uh, uh, portion just very briefly. In your portion that God's given you, you all have gifts, talents. You have a certain personality that God has wired you with. And we here at Fusion, we want to just help you discover how God has wired you, the gifts he's given you. And we've actually made assessments or excuse me, have assessments equipped for each and every one of us so we can discover the gifts, callings, and how God has wired every last one of us. If you haven't done these assessments yet, I so strongly encourage you. Do these assessments because you may be living banging your head against a wall, trying to be an administrator, but God hasn't gifted you to be an administrator. Because I want to tell you something, right? So for me, uh, I have more of a gift of leadership than I have a gift of administration. So what I did was I got um, people who are administrative around me. So let me know about me. I'm not detail oriented. Anyone who serves on our youth team will know I'm not detail oriented. It's not who I am. I'm a macro person. I see big picture 24 7. It's all I see. So, what I do, I get detail oriented people around me that stay around me that point out the details. You see, because there's no shame and not, no, or excuse me, there's no shame in not owning someone else's portion. I'm not responsible to give myself a portion. That's God's responsibility. My responsibility is to accept the portion He's given me and steward it well. And then know my assignment, where I'm supposed to use my portion, because he can gift us in so many different ways, but I want to make sure I'm using it, which maximizes what God has called me to, right? It's where the voice of the Lord comes in and where he's putting us inside of places to use our time, treasure, and talents to the max, it's the assignment. So we might be here today. And we may uh, be trying to discover what our portion is, what our gifts are, our personality, how we're wired. I want to encourage you. We have assessments here at Fusion, right? Uh, We have these different spiritual gifts. We have all these different things that want to help you find out how you're wired your portion. Be sure. Take those assessments. There's love languages in there. Uh, uh, You and your spouse should definitely take those. It was a game changer for me and Shannon. Because many times I was like, David, going to the Lord, this is what I want to do. I have a great heart behind it. But she wasn't feeling loved because it's not her love language. And somebody said, amen. Uh, I was sitting there trying to spend quality time with her, but her uh, love language was physical touch. And I was like, but why don't you feel the love, right? Your love tank's empty. It's so important to know the portion and both the assignment, right? So be sure, take those assessments. Uh, What we'll do is, so I'm pulling it up right now as we kind of close in prayer here that we want to make sure that we are saying God I want to be a human being and not the human doing as I saw so many of us putting inside of the chat today uh we really want to be making sure that the Lord himself is the one governing and guiding not just uh uh me, not just our uh, portion, but also our assignments, because David had an incredible portion, but his assignment was the thing that needed to be clarified. And making sure that we are humble enough that when God redirects and he decides to send our assignment in a different direction, that we're not holding on to our kingdoms, that we're not holding on to things he hasn't called us to, but saying, Jesus, I am fully devoted to you wherever you want to send me. God, my life is yours. Can I get an amen from somebody? amen amen so let's pray and let's press in father thank you so much for each and every person that's here today holy spirit i just thank you that uh you are rewiring so many of us that lord some of us are the human doings and not the human beings and many of us uh are okay just sitting in your presence but maybe you aren't in that spot of serving or using or uh fulfilling the assignment you've given us yet So Lord, I just pray, help us identify where we are. Help us identify to step into the role that you've called us to step into. And Holy Spirit, just show us how you wired us. Show us our portions. And God, give us a sense of gratitude when we see our portion, not to look at someone else's and compare, but God, to know that this is how you made us and we just wanna maximize how you made us. And Lord, I just pray that you would drop assignments into people's hearts today. Uh, Maybe it's to be in the streets sharing your love. Maybe it's to be in the house. Uh, Maybe their assignment is their family today. But God, show us, show us, show us how we can bless and love those with the portion that you've given us today. Lord, I thank you for the Davidic covenant that one day you will build the temple. And that God, you built that temple. And that part of that covenant still stands today. That one day you will build the temple of your kingdom that is heaven in the new heaven and the new earth and that everyone who calls on your name has a place inside of that heaven. So Lord, we just thank you for a place inside of your covenant today. And we thank you that you have already made a home for us inside of the mansion. So Lord, we just thank you for what is to come, what is today and where you've brought us from. And we pray this in Jesus matchless name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. So we dropped the link for the assessments. Uh, The one that says fusionchurch.cc slash assessments is probably the most accurate one. (laughs) Uh, So be sure to click that one, fill out those assessments. The main reason I'm trying to share these with you is because I walked around for so many years carrying a lot of shame uh, about who I wasn't rather than uh, embracing who I was and how God made me. Take those assessments. Check them out. Find out what your gifts are, your personality, how God has wired you, and it'll help you find out what your assignment is so it can help you step into the next season that God has made you for. All right, Fusion church, God bless you. Have a great week.